Thank you very much, Dominique, for that wonderful message and song. What a powerful message. Thy will be done. If you are here this morning and you are one of the children, grades kindergarten through fourth grade, I think, you can go to Treehouse if you would like. If your child is a visitor or you're a visitor, then I need to make sure that you fill out one of these cards and send with that child if your child is going to go to Treehouse. That way we'll know who is coming to pick up the child later on. If you would do that for me, I would really appreciate it. I forgot to say that earlier, I was supposed to, but it just, you know what happens, slipped my mind. So, but it is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. What a wonderful, powerful message and song there as I think about Thy will be done as Dominique was singing that song. I was thinking of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when he's praying and he's asking uh, God, the Father, to remove the cup, uh, and as he's praying and as he's pouring out his heart before God, at the very end of that prayer, he finishes it with the words, But God, not my will, but your will be done. And there was no other way. Without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross for the payment of sin to take care of our problem, there would be no hope. But in Christ Jesus, through his willingness to lay down his life for our life, now we have hope. Not hope in the things of the world, but hope in eternity, that Jesus Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, and because he has gone to prepare a place for us, he tells us one day he will come back and he will take us to be there with him also. I don't know about you, but that just brings a great sense of warmth to my spirit when I think about the fact that Jesus loves me and he has done everything that is necessary for me to have a relationship with him. Remember the words of Jesus Christ at the cross? It is finished. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Everything that is necessary for you to be saved, to be right with God, is now done. The only thing that is necessary is not to be religious, not to put your name on a church roll, not to get dunked in some water, not to go to Sunday school. No but to trust in Jesus Christ. Place your faith in Him. Jesus Christ says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never called upon the name of the Lord, my prayer is today would be that day where you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to very clearly hear me say this today. Jesus loves you. And he desires to have a relationship for you. Why else in the world would he ever go to a cruel cross and willingly hang there and die? The cross shows us the extent of God's love. There can be no greater picture of love than the cross. Amen? Isn't that true? Yes, it is so very true today. So, it is good to see you. Let me start with doing this. I don't know if you know this, but today is a special day. It is, isn't it? Amen. If you are a mother, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. If you would go ahead and do that, please stand to your feet. We want to recognize you. 
It's all right to give a fist bump. I saw, you know, Teresa's two uh, daughters giving her fist bump. It's okay to do that. We'll let that happen. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you very, very much. All your hard work and your love for your family. I know that I'm not the pastor of every single mother here, but for those who are members at Crestwood Baptist Church, I want to tell you it's a privilege and an honor to be your pastor. And I'm so very grateful for you for you and how you influence your children's lives. You may be seated this morning. I just wanted to say that. I don't know about you. I know it's different for all families. But my mother played such a significant role in my life growing up. And much of who I am today is because my parents have shaped me. And I am convinced no matter what stage of life you're at, and no matter what stage of life your children are at, you as parents still have great influence over the life of your children. And you still have the opportunity to speak wisdom and love and encouragement in their life. Please hear me say this as well this morning. There are no perfect parents. Don't beat yourself up over the mistakes of the past. You cannot live in the past and be effective for the kingdom of God. We must lay to rest those things in the past once God has forgiven us for them, and we must move forward. But let me know, if you feel as though as a parent, somehow or another, you have damaged your child or you have blown it, I can tell you today, there is forgiveness at the cross. God offers grace at the cross. And we can come to him and we can love him. As I said several weeks ago when I preached on families, let's remember for just a moment and let's focus on this. There were two children that had a perfect father who didn't do very well. You see what I'm saying? Adam and Eve had the perfect daddy. You can't get better than God himself. And they still blew it. They still chose to rebel against God. Now, I don't know about you. That ought to be encouragement to all of us, right? And let me also say this at the same time, there are times when we can do the very best in raising our children in the admonition of the Lord. But we need to remember each one of them have their own will and their own desires in life. And sometimes they choose to do their own things and go their own way. We need to understand that this morning. Man, it doesn't take very long to realize that your child has their own will I could tell you that right now. I mean, I have three children, but it, just about a, a week into that thing, I began to realize, you know what? This little critter right here has got their own will. They're going to do their thing their way, you know? And so no matter, we, we offer guidance for them and we direct them, but at the end of the day, there are still times our children walk outside what we would desire for them. Isn't that true? I did. Three of us children raised in the same home. The other two children never rebelled against my parents' authority or against God. From the time I was born, I was rebellious. I rebelled against my parents. I did my own thing. I rebelled against God. We all had the same love and support by parents. Do you see what I'm saying? My parents are some of the lovingest, most loving parents in the world. Great, godly people. And I still chose to rebel against their authority. And ultimately, really, I chose to rebel against the authority of God is what I did. I hope that encourages you. I really do. Because I think it's important for us as parents to be realistic. 
and to understand. Now, I realize parents do blow it at times, and there are some parents out there, let's just be honest, they're just not very good parents. We'll just be truthful about that. But that's not always true either. And so I want to say that this morning. As I was thinking about how hard mothers work, I found a job description this week online for mothers. I want you to listen to what it is that I read and see if you agree with what it is this man has said. A job description of a mother. After product delivery, a mother must function happily despite sleep deprivation for the next 18 years per child. Understand a crying baby's language, answer phone calls, and tend to a toddler while preparing dinner and nursing an infant, cook economical, nutritious meals according to the family member's preferences and allergies, be present in two or more locations at once, possess inner radar to locate children's misplaced belongings, hold a degree in medicine and psychology, bake countless cookies and cupcakes for uh, school fundraisers, cheer budding athletes in the rain, snow, sleet, or shine, treasure sticky kisses, keep children's baby teeth in the nightstand drawer. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. The next one's optional, but you need to know how to understand new math problems. Work extra strong, I mean, wear extra strong need pads for hours spent in prayer. Forgive and request forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again. Love unconditionally, even when it's hard to like them. That about sums it up, doesn't it? As I thought about that job description this week, I, sold, I said to myself, oftentimes the job of a mother goes unnoticed and unappreciated. I don't know about you men, but in my household, I run off to the office Monday through Thursday. And I leave my wife home with a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And then I sometimes come in and wonder, what in the world has she been doing all day? <laughs> Don't look at me like that, men. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you do. And then I realize, oh my goodness, when I began to think about everything that she has faced and gone through that day, I'm surprised she is as sane as she is to be honest. And she does a great job, a fabulous job. I am convinced We'll try to do this. This is the way we do it in Zambia all the time anyway. So we use a microphone, so we'll just adapt and overcome. At the same time, I think in our society today, the role of mother is more important than any time before, especially as culture seeks to redefine the roles of motherhood and womanhood. I am convinced that mothers still play a significant role in the life of their children. 
And if that is true and they play a significant role in the life of their children, then they must play a significant role in God's church as well as the direction of our country. As I said in my office this week, thinking about motherhood, I went through my mind of all of the godly mothers that we find in Scripture. Well, maybe not all of them, but a handful of them. And I was reminded of some great women from God's Word. I thought about the mother of Jesus Christ, Mary. Can you imagine having her job and trying to raise Jesus Christ, God in the human flesh? That must have been some kind of job. Or what about the mother of Eunice? It's recorded in Scripture, or she is praised in Scripture, actually, because she was a mother who passed on her faith to her son, Timothy. Then I thought for a little while about the Old Testament and some of the great mothers we see in the Old Testament. I thought about the mother of Moses. What about the mother of Moses? What a godly woman. She defied the order of of a Pharaoh in order to protect her son's life. You want to talk about sacrifice. Or what about Naomi? She had to be a great mother, didn't she? Think about it for a moment. Why else would your daughter-in-law want to follow and go with you if somehow or another you were a poor mother? But that's exactly what we see in the book of Ruth. Ruth says, your God will be my God. Your place will be my place. Your nation will be my nation. And she follows after her mother-in-law. This woman had to be a great godly mother. But there was another woman I thought of in Scripture that was a great godly mother. I thought about the mother Hannah. Now, many of you know the story of Hannah. Her son's name was Samuel, and her story is recorded for us in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would ask that you open them to that story, 1 Samuel, the first chapter, if you would turn your Bibles there. And as you're turning your Bibles there, I just want to make two very important statements this morning about this story. The first statement I want to make is this. In this story, Hannah is not yet a mother. She will become a mother down the road, and actually the story is based on her life in her prayer to God, asking God to give her a son. The second thing, or the second statement that I would make about the book of Samuel is this. First and second Samuel are about people who influence the nation of Israel. It's their stories recorded for for us in these two books. Now, sometimes these people influence the nation of Israel in a positive way, and sometimes they influence the nation of Israel in a negative way. But what's amazing is, is that 1 Samuel opens with the story of Hannah because Hannah was a young lady who influenced the nation of Israel in a positive way. As a matter of fact, when you look at her story, her story is really kind of a story of great tragedy. She married a man who was a Levite who loved her deeply, but the problem was is she could not bear any children. In the first century, or I'm sorry, in this century in Jewish culture, to be unable to bear a child was one of the worst things in the world. 
Hannah found herself in that situation. I want you to listen to her story that begins in verse 9 of chapter 1 of the book of Samuel. Listen to what it is that is spoken here. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now that's important for us to understand exactly what it is that is being spoken of in this first verse. Once a year, Hannah and her family would travel up to Shiloh where the tabernacle of God was located. And when they would get to God, I mean when they would get to the tabernacle, they would spend time worshiping the Lord. This story records that fact for us. Now listen to what else. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for the reading of your word and the way your word speaks truth into our hearts and our lives. Lord, in the next few moments together, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would just open our hearts, our minds, Lord, that we would receive what it is that you would desire for us to receive today. Father, I pray that we would not simply be hearers of your words, but we would be doers of your word this morning that we would take what we learn in this passage of Scripture, and Lord, that we would apply it to our lives, that we may walk in a closer, in a deeper relationship with you. Father, I pray that people would not hear my words, but Lord, that they would hear your words, and that they would see you high and lifted up. Because you tell us, Lord, if you be lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. So, Father... I pray that I would not be anxious this morning, but that I would rest in you. 
and I would look to you in all things and trust your guidance. And I pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This morning in the time that we have together, I would like to share with you three characteristics that I see in the life of Hannah that made her a godly woman. Qualities that we find in this woman's life that every one of us should desire, whether we be a mother or a father or whether we find ourselves at some other stage in life. Qualities that hopefully we will take and we will seek to live out under the inspiration, the power, and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let me share with you this morning three characteristics that I see in the life of Hannah. First, the first thing that I noticed about Hannah's life is her life was characterized by prayer. She was a praying woman. Prayer characterized the life of Hannah. When I read this text, two different times in this text, the author of this book said that Hannah went up to the temple to pray. Hannah realized the importance of prayer before the Lord, of carrying her needs to God. But this shouldn't be a fact that surprises any of us. When we look throughout history, great men or great mothers were praying mothers. Perhaps nowhere is this seen clearer than in the life of Susanna Wesley. Have you ever heard of that woman this morning? Susanna Wesley, now listen to this, ladies. This will shock you. Susanna Wesley gave birth to 19 children. That's right, 19 children. Nine of them died in infancy. Ten of them she raised to adulthood. She was poor and destitute all of her life. Her husband and her got into an argument one time, a petty argument, and he left her for a year without speaking to her. But in spite of all of the insurmountable odds in her life, she still managed to raise every one of her children to be godly men and women. What was her secret in life? Susanna Wesley said that her secret in life was she spent two hours every day on, or on her knees in prayer for her children. John Wesley, the great revivalist whose mother was Susanna Wesley, shares the story of when he was just a little boy, of going to sleep each and every night and many nights seeing the coal, the coal oil lamp burning in his mother's room as she was on her knees in prayer, lifting up her children before the Lord. He said, sometimes I would wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would still see that lamp burning in my mother's room. She would still be on her knees in prayer before the Lord, lifting up her children before God's throne. Godly mothers understand the significant role that prayer plays in the life of their children. Now let me say just two things about the prayer of Hannah before we move on this morning. The first thing that I noticed about her prayer is this. It was a cry of desperation. Did you hear how the author of this book described Hannah's situation? He said she was deeply distressed. She wept bitterly. She was afflicted. She was troubled in her spirit. Great anxiety and vexation. K. 
Can you begin to see the picture in this woman's life? Hannah was desperate. She was at the end of her rope. There was no else or no other place for her to turn in her life. The only place for her to turn was to look up to the Lord and trust God that He would take care of her problem. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever found yourself in that kind of situation? In a situation where you didn't have the means or the power to change what was happening in one of your children's lives? If you've experienced that in your life, then you can relate to Hannah. But I want you to listen to me very carefully this morning. I want you to understand prayer changes things in people's lives. Godly mothers are mothers who pray for their children. But there's something else I noticed about Hannah's prayer this morning. It was a prayer of genuineness. Listen to what it says here in verse 13. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. The indication of the passage of Scripture or that phrase that she was praying in her heart indicates to us that she was being open and honest before the Lord. She was bearing her soul before God. Isn't that really what prayer is? Isn't prayer us coming before the Lord and bringing our requests to Him and laying Him, laying them at the throne of God and trusting that He will work in our children's lives in their perfect way? Isn't that what prayer really is? Well, it was, truly, it was surely true of Hannah's life. Hannah bared her soul to the Lord. Hannah understood something very important. Hannah understood there is value in prayer. Prayer has the power to change people's lives. But I see a second characteristic in the life of Hannah as well when I read this passage of Scripture. Her life was characterized by sacrifice. Her life was characterized by sacrifice. She was a sacrificing mother. Let me ask you something this morning, mothers. Have you ever sacrificed for your children? Yeah, I can imagine that every one of you at some point in time has sacrificed for your children. A couple of Sundays ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to attend the young marriage class. Now, I like that class. And the reason I like that class is it reminds me that I'm not young and married anymore. But it also reminds me of something very important as well. I love to hear their perspective about things because they're at such a different place at life than I am. Now, I'm glad I'm not where they're at. All of my children are grown, or not grown, but they can all feed, clothe, and bathe themselves and put themselves to bed at night. But many of those young marrieds are not there. But they were discussing the story of Abraham. When God called Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, on the altar. And as we talked about that story, I began to grapple within my heart over how would I have responded if God would have asked me to sacrifice my son Jesus, I mean my son Levi, on the altar. And then all of a sudden the realization hit me. 
isn't that what God has asked all of us to do? Hasn't God asked all of us to dedicate our children unto the Lord? Hannah understood this. Listen to what Hannah says. What's amazing to me about this story, Hannah does not even have a child yet, and she vows to give her child to the Lord. Listen to what she says here in verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Now it's so easy for us to read this verse of Scripture and miss the implication of what is happening here. It wasn't as though Hannah had been barren for just one year or two years. The indication of this passage of Scripture is Hannah has gone for years without a child. Now she is pouring out her heart to the Lord and she's praying and she's asking God to bless her with a child. And as she asks God to bless her with a child, she says, Oh God, I'm willing to sacrifice that child unto you. I'm willing to offer that child unto you in service to the Lord. I'm amazed at this woman. Aren't you? But you see, I think Hannah understood a very important principle that is taught throughout God's Word. It's the principle of stewardship. All that I am and all that I have belongs to the Lord. Listen to me very carefully. Your children don't belong to you. Your children are a gift from God given to you. And what we have been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ is to be good stewards of that which God has given us. That's what we've been called to do. In this story, we see that very clearly in the life of Hannah. Hannah understood the importance of sacrifice. She gave the very best of all she had to the Lord. Her firstborn child. She dedicated his whole life to the Lord. You know what's the amazing thing about this story? If you read the rest of chapter 1, at three years of age, when Hannah had weaned her son, do you know what she does? She goes to the house of the Lord, the tabernacle at Shiloh, She makes a costly sacrifice there, and she leaves her son at age three in the tabernacle of the Lord, and she returns home without him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think this woman understood what it meant to sacrifice? Oh, there's no doubt when I read the story of Hannah, she was a sacrificing woman. Let me ask you a question this morning, parents, mother. Is that true of your life? Have you come to the point in life where you realize all that I am and all that I have belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that even includes my children? 
Well, I will tell you this today. Whether you come to that realization or not, it doesn't change the fact of the matter. Your children are a gift given to you by God. And what he has called for us to do as godly parents and mothers and fathers is to offer our children unto him. Do you know why he calls for us to do that? You want to know why? Because when we offer our children's lives unto him, do you know what we're saying? We're saying to God, God, I trust you. God, I trust that you know better for my child than I do. And what I will simply do is follow your leadership and your direction in the raising of my child. That's what we're saying. I have had the opportunity through the years of ministry to talk to parents who come to me and they don't understand why their children have gone wayward. And I often probe and ask questions. And what I really come to understand is this. Their parent never really raised them in the admonition of the Lord. Hannah understood what it was to sacrifice. But I noticed another characteristic of Hannah's life. Her life was characterized by worship. She was a worshiping woman. I want you to listen to what it says here in verse 19. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. That pronoun there, they, surely included Hannah. Did you notice in this passage of Scripture at the end of verse 18 how the countenance of Hannah changes completely? Listen to what he says in verse 18. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Actually, this whole story here is a story about worshiping the Lord. When you look at verse 11, listen to what Hannah says in her prayer. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant. That phrase there, Lord of hosts, she is ascribing worth and value to the Lord. Isn't that what worship is? Isn't worship really ascribing worth and value to the Lord? Hannah understood the value of worshiping the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Whether you're a parent or maybe you're at a different stage in life and you're not a parent. Let me ask you the question, how much do you truly value worship in your life? Do you have daily times of personal worship in your life? Times where you're meditating on the Word of God? Times where you're spending time in prayer with the Lord? What about corporate worship? Is corporate worship valuable to your life? I believe what, what we have done in the American church is we have devalued corporate worship to the point that people can come a handful of times to church in a year and they can still believe in their minds and their heart that they are good, faithful Christians. 
that is so contrary to what we see of New Testament Christianity. If that is your belief this morning, you need to go to the Word of God and you need to look at New Testament Christianity. The early church valued corporate worship. It was important in their lives. As parents, we, ex- we set the example by the life we live, not just by the words we speak. The life that we choose to live will speak far louder than any word that comes from our mouths. Hannah valued prayer, sacrifice, and worship in her life. Hannah was a godly woman which made her a godly mother. And the question we must ask ourselves this morning is this. Will we choose to follow the example of Hannah? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you speak to our hearts today. Father, in the quietness and the stillness of this moment, as we look to this time of invitation, I pray that each one of us would respond in the manner in which you would desire for us to respond. Lord, that you would just point out those areas of our life where we need to grow in a deeper and a more meaningful relationship with you. Lord, we give you this time and pray that you would work in your perfect way to your honor and to your glory. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.